How very nice to be back here in this pulpit, although for a moment I was going to be very high here, and Joe just lowered the level of the pulpit so I wouldn't be standing up too tall. Pam and I have found a home here at Holy Trinity, although on occasion we're off and going because of a lot of responsibilities and family obligations, but as always warm and cozy to be here in your midst. And what a lovely text I have to work with today. Joe and I talked just before he went on his little trip and we talked about my preaching on this Sunday and just lifting the load off of him having to return and immediately dig into his barrel of sermons and pull something out. I saved him from that and so I digged into my barrel. <laughs> no, I didn't. I dug into my orange file where I keep old sermons for over, oh, I hate to tell you how many years, but I did not draw on a sermon from there. I just read the text and read it again and again as is my practice. I begin early in the week, look at it, let it cook in my mind and heart, and then, well, somehow or other, Miraculously, the Spirit leads me to gain an insight into the text and find something to share with all of you, and I hope it's meaningful this morning. This little text, this gospel text, is a nice vignette. It is warm, it is personal, it contrasts a great deal with the things that have preceded and will follow. Here's a case where Jesus is talking with two women, which in itself is an unusual practice in those days. Here he is wandering around with all these disciples, these men all the time, and he stopped short, invited by Martha to come to her house, to Mary's house, and just have a sit-down, personal encounter with them. And it is in contrast to the practice all through the early part of this testament. And it is wonderful, really, to think about that. Just sitting down and sharing. Pastors like that, too, amongst their people. I know I did over that ministry of mine. When those days when you're pumping and doing all sorts of things, visiting the hospital, seeing people, writing sermons, etc., etc., and then have the opportunity with an invitation from someone, why don't you drop by for a cup of tea or just a little bit of a chat? And oh, how that good that feels to be able to sit down in someone's home, even maybe take off your shoes and have that cup of tea and just talk personally, one-on-one or two-on-one. How nice. And that's what happens here. And that's quite different from what's happening regularly with the text that you've heard in the last weeks. Here is a story of just three people sharing and talking with one another. Let me remind you about how it unfolds. Jesus, of course, could not resist the opportunity to share a word with them. That was a part and parcel of his 
dynamic. When he had people to share with, he would tell them stories and certainly share with them the basic teachings that he had to share. And that's what he does here. And as it begins to unfold, the one who takes extreme interest in what he has to say is Mary. You can see her just kind of sitting down on the floor, getting comfortable and hanging on every word that he says. And Martha is out in the kitchen working and getting things ready, the tea and the crumpets or whatever they're going to have. And she gets annoyed about that and says, well, why is she doing that and why am I not getting any help here? And, of course, Jesus dismisses that with some wonderful words about, well, she's paying attention to the only one thing that is needed. Now, I could wax on about, you know, the matter of concentrating on what Jesus says and not staying in the kitchen or wherever you are and focusing on that. And that's been the sermons I've preached through the years. Get focused on what Jesus is saying. Let the dishes alone. Forget about that stuff. But I don't think that's where I want to go today. Somehow or other, times when you're looking at these texts, something comes off the pages, and you say, gee, I never realized that that was there. And here is this statement, only one thing is needed. Now, I'm gonna ha- I could have some fun this morning. I'd go throughout all the pews here and confront every one of you individually and say, what is the one thing needed that he's talking about? What would you say it was? What's the one thing needed? Do you know? I'm going to take a shot at it. And I mean that when I say that. I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm going to suggest something of what it was that he said is needed. And Martha, come on, pay attention. This is what is needed. Mary, you've been listening carefully. Listen again. This is what is needed. And he would talk about, I believe, a significant thing in his life and a significant thing for those two women and for all of you. He would talk about the kingdom of God and certainly the resurrection, which is tied together with the proclamation of the kingdom. Very significant to call him king and recognize that he has come into the midst of all of us to establish the kingdom of God. Here, in our midst, in this world, and prepare us for that kingdom to come. That's what it's about. He could have dwelt on the, well, the Good Samaritan, which was a story told just before this. Or gone on to talk about prayer, which is the next text, the Lord's Prayer. No, there's something else he wants to talk about, I submit, and that is about the kingdom. That's been his proclamation all along, and he ties it together with the resurrection. He deals with life and death situations with these women and prepares them. For as you should know, 
It will not be just a, a long, not very long, just a few weeks from now, that their brother Lazarus will die. And they will be coping with his death. What better thing to do than to talk with them frankly about the resurrection, about death and resurrection, and the promises of the kingdom to come. That's what I believe he was talking to them about. What is this important thing that must be talked about? Precisely that. And I suggest that that's what we, in our conversations, one with another, should also talk about. In my ministry, I would have opportunities to meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, or a couple of people, or a family. And I don't know that I took every opportunity to talk with them about the basics of the faith. And I missed opportunities. And in some cases, I really regretted it because it was soon after that they faced some very serious situations. And it would have been helpful for them to have had some preparation, some thought about what might unfold. And so I would suggest that that's what should be done. Now, there's different ways to approach this. Some people, some pastors would approach it with this thrust. And it's one that I'm very uncomfortable with. You must be born again. Have you heard that expression? So when they have you alone and by yourself, and they think they're going to talk about the most important thing in their lives and your life, they're going to be talking about, you must be born again. And they come on sometimes very strongly with that. Another technique or approach might be when you have people in conversation is one that I used in ministry oh years ago and I'm not sure that that was the right approach. A Presbyterian minister in Florida developed a wonderful idea and certainly packed his church with people when he suggested that when you went out and talked with people individually you began the conversation this way. Are you prepared to die tonight? Are you ready to meet your maker this evening? Well, that's a kind of scare tactic, but it's surprising how effective apparently that was at his church. And he packed them in. I don't approach it that way. Often people come to me because I'm a pastor and I have my collar on, and they'll say, where do you, where's your church? And I would try to explain where I'm going to church what I'm up to spiritually and I explain that and then I turn the conversation and say and where are you spiritually where are you in your life and relationship with God it's a very gentle term and I'm surprised about the response it's often very positive I don't like the answers sometimes Sometimes, well, I don't have any connection, or I don't believe in God, or I believe in a God, of course, that I have some obvious trouble with. But there is a, a reaction, and it's an opportunity for one to say, well, that's interesting, let me hear more about that. And then somewhere, somehow, in the conversation, say to them, but this is what I do, and what I believe in, and what I hold to. 
and in that way do some sharing. That's what Jesus was doing with these two women. You just sit down, have a cup of tea, or a glass of wine, wherever you may be, and that conversation comes up. I know it does. About church affiliation. Often about your relationship with God. And there's the chance to say something. Let them speak, let them share, but then take the opportunity to talk about well, this is what it means to me. Jesus has prepared the kingdom of God. And by faith I'm a part of that. And someday I will be taken in the resurrection to be with him forever. Some way you say that with another person. Awfully important. I would submit that Holy Trinity, this church, at this juncture in its history, has a responsibility of sharing a message like that so to draw people into the community of believers. This is your moment. This is your time. Yesterday I was reading the Beacon, the Beacon Journal and uh, perhaps a lot of you read that article in, in the religion section. There's a Missouri Synod Church in Talmadge who's undergoing a new program. Their attendances were down. They were struggling. And so they contacted an organization, and this organization made suggestions as to how it might, they might go about things. And let me just share some of the things they're doing. That is, they walk around the neighborhood, and wherever they happen to see a group, children or perhaps uh, senior citizens, they pause to pray for them. Not with them necessarily, but for them. And they do that in their cars as well. They happen to be near a school, so they invite over the crossing guards and any teachers who want to come for a little luncheon at the church. They have a number of other programs for seniors. They'll show movies and invite the community in to see a movie. And on and on, there are a list of things that they're doing. And they've realized an increase in the attendance of, oh, about 28 people on a Sunday. And they've been confirming and baptizing some adults as well. So the program is very subtle, very simple, but somehow or other it is doing the job of drawing people to their church. I would submit this also as a part of the plan. And that is that you take the opportunity when you have it, when you're sitting down and simply chatting or lifting a glass of beer with someone or at the supermarket or wherever it is that you talk with your friends and loved ones you just simply say where are you going to church? What do you do? Or if they raise the question you respond accordingly and you share a word with them about Holy Trinity and what goes on here. Tumultuous things happen here at Holy Trinity tumultuous things. The word of God is preached. People's lives are changed and prepared for the kingdom to come. They are ready for the resurrection. They participate in the body and blood of Christ who gathered with his disciples. Tumultuous big things happen here. And so when you speak to them, you may not get carried away as I do, but you would simply quietly say, this is what goes on at Holy Trinity. 
and hopefully the hook will get them and they'll say, is that right? I'd like to see that or come and join you some Sunday. I think it's important. It's the calling that this church has of sitting down and sharing one with another, just as Jesus did, with two or one or just a couple of people. Let me tell you the most important thing, the needful thing, as Jesus puts it here in this text. The needful thing. You know what it is. You've received it. You've said, I know what is the needful thing, and I want to have it, hold it. But more than that, you've got to share it. May that happen in your life and in the life of this parish. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.